Well, good morning. I know that uh, um, I know that this is like the the calm before the storm, right? You know, because we have Easter that we're getting ready to prepare for. Is that us on number three? The lighting. There we go. Um, and so I know that it's like the calm before the storm because we have we have next week we have our event. We have a lot that's getting ready to happen. We have five thousand Easter eggs. We still have the stuff. Kind of a lot of things that are still happening. And, uh, and yet, today is Palm Sunday, and so we're still trying to grow closer, and this is the day that Jesus enters into town, and we're still supposed to be trying to keep all of this holy, right? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation. It, it really is, because we go, we, we're all caught up in the busyness. We get so caught up into doing church that we forget what the church is supposed to look like, how the church is supposed to be, what, the, what it's supposed to act like, what it's, what it's supposed to represent to its community, to, its, to the world. And so that's why we've been in this series called Our House. And over the last six weeks, we've, we've talked about so much different stuff. And today and, today and, and next week, we're going to talk about a couple I am statements from Jesus, because Jesus gave us a couple I am statements, and those I am statements as the church should represent should represent what we look like because we look like what jesus has asked us to look like right we, we, when jesus goes i am this it should be the church is this right it, that's how it should be so that we're talking about some of these i am statements and and so jesus gave us a couple of them and we're not going to touch on these ones over the next two weeks but he says i am the i am the resurrection and life right he says nobody comes to the father except for through me and, and he says, I am the good shepherd. And today we're really going to talk about, he says, I am the light of the world. And so I am the light of the world. And it says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Anybody, were you like me as a kid? Were you afraid of the dark? Now, I was afraid of the dark as a kid. And so what would happen is that, it, you know, I would, I would run upstairs, because our house is two stories, I would run upstairs, turn on the lights upstairs, come back downstairs, turn on the lights upstairs, and then go back upstairs, and then go upstairs, because I was terrified of the dark. I had no idea what was happening, why I was afraid of the dark. Nobody had ever really scared me good in the middle of the dark. Nobody had ever showed up and said, ha, got you, nobody, that, that never had happened. I was just terrified of it. Right? I was terrified of the unknown, of the lostness. And, and, and I, think, I think that some of us, some of us were afraid of the dark. Not just the dark of, of night, right? But the, the dark that, this, that, we rep, that, that is represented in these communities all the time. Think about the anger, the hate, the, the, everything that's spewed from here. You know, when, we, when you look at the sin of this world and you look at all these See, the church is called to be the light in all that darkness, a, a city on a hill, a beacon, where people are drawn to because they've, they, they're tired of being in the darkness. We're supposed to be turned on when all the darkness happens. We're supposed to, when the anger, when the hate, when all of that happens, we're supposed to come alive. I mean, just think about it. Light, right? You know, we, we, we have these things where, we, we, where you see you have the light and you have darkness, and so if you have if Jesus and God has come out and said, I am the light, then what would make it to where Satan would be? Satan would be the darkness. 
And so here's what it says in Acts 26, verses, 20, uh, verses 17 and 18. It says, yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So, so here's the thing. Where is it that we are focusing all of our attention? Are we focusing it in the darkness? Are we focusing on negative things? Are we focusing it on, on all the, the anger and the sin that's in this world? Are we, are we captivated by, by Satan? Or are we focused on the light? Are we going, we're going to be captivated by Jesus. We're going to be drawn to Jesus. We're going to, we're going to grow closer to him. We're going to, and, and see, we're going to talk about the woman that's caught in adultery from it, you know, and so we're going to spend some time there because that, that is the statement, that is the, what's happening right before the statement, I am the light. That, that's exactly what's happening. And so we're going to talk about three different things, though. We're going to talk about the law, we're going to talk about the love, and we're going to talk about the light. The law, the love, the light. And so here's what it is. The first one. Back there. There we go. Let's try and keep up today. See, the law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt. So here it is in John 8, verses 2 through 6a. So that A represents that I'm only using the beginning portion of that. And here's what it says. It says, at dawn, Jesus appeared again at the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group for, before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the, adac- in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what say you? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, we should talk about this for one brief, one brief moment. Number one, under the law, adultery is one of the big three no-nos, right? Adultery is one of the big three no-nos. It's one of the three worst sins that you can commit. It, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it's really a terrible thing back then. And so if Jesus, if Jesus agreed, he would lose his reputation for being loving, right? That's what would happen. If Jesus goes, yep, you're right. Let's bury her to a waste and let's stone her until nothing's left. He loses his reputation for being loving. But if Jesus forgives her and sends her on her way, he's condoning adultery, right? He's basically saying, hey, it's good, and he's breaking the law of Moses. And so what we need to look at here is the law reveals our guilt. So she lied. Just think about this. Either you lied, she stolen something, lusted, used God's name in vain, and, and so what, this is the same thing that happens back then. And so unless you see yourself as a sinner, you will never see yourself for the need of a savior. Right? Do, you, do we get that? So if we don't see that, if we don't see ourselves as being sinners. So here's the, I always do this anytime I talk about this. Number one, anybody in here ever told a lie? Put your hand up. Right? Anybody in here ever stolen a pen? Just keep it up. Just don't, don't, don't put it down. If you're at home, keep your hand up too. You, you know, you're going to look at yourself in the mirror or something like that. Anybody in here, you ever lusted at something? You ever looked at it and looked at a woman? You looked at a man? You looked at something you're like, hmm, I want that. You know, uh, just keep your hand out. What I want you to do is look around the room and see everybody's hands are up. Okay? 
And then I want you to do, if you're at home watching, because a lot of you are at home watching, maybe you're traveling down the freeway or you're on your way out of town, whatever it is, I want you to look at yourself in the rearview mirror and just look at you and wave to yourself and just say, hi, sinner, right? You know, because that's really what it is, is that we have to recognize, we have to recognize that we are sinners. And if we don't recognize that we are sinners, we'll never see ourselves having a need for a savior, right? That's, that's what the law reveals. The law reveals that, yes, we need a savior. It's not about going, ooh, shame on you. It's more about going, look, you cannot get everything done. You need a savior to help complete this. See, now, the love reveals God's grace, though. Here's, here it is in 6b. So we're going to move on a little bit. And it says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. See, what did he write? See, in later manuscripts, we start to see what he wrote. And it says that he, start to, he, started, he wrote the sins of accusers. And this word that we're looking at is graphin. Graphin means to write down. And so, so katagraphin is the next word that we're looking at, is, which, is what's in the Greek back then. And it means to write down against somebody so katagraphin means to write down basically it was like the rap sheet that's what katagraphin means he started to write the rap sheet down on the ground and see jesus is god in flesh and he knew everything and so in verse 7 it says when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and he said to them let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her stone at her <laughs> Here's the thing. Jesus was w without sin, but that didn't mean that he wanted to be the one that threw a stone. Right? So, I mean, just think about it. Is that just because you happen to be above somebody, or you happen to have, uh, not above somebody, like in that mindset of going, there's a hierarchy in this world, but just because you haven't committed that specific sin doesn't mean that you haven't committed a sin. Doesn't mean that you haven't done something else. Just because you haven't committed adultery, or you haven't had a divorce, or you haven't had a homosexual act, or you haven't done one of those other things, doesn't mean that you haven't done something else that is still divisive, and that is a sin that separates you from... I mean, it's as simple as that. That You need a savior, whatever that sin is. And so just because you haven't done that sin doesn't mean that you can go off and do whatever it is. So I'm going to skip ahead here. And we're going to go to John 8. Here's what it says in John 8. It says, again, he stooped down on the, uh, and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there. As Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir then neither do I condemn you. <laughs> See, by God's grace, you are not what you did, right? And you're not what others say you are. That, See, that's the problem. We tend to fall in this grouping of going, I'm either what I, I, I'm either what I did, like, so it could be my past. Whatever my past is, that's what it, that, 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 that's who I am, right? And so there is, some, there is some identifying markers to that, right? You know, so some people, we, we, you know, especially in this culture today, because people will ask you all the time, hey, what is it that you do, 
right? What is it that you do? Even Jesus is labeled as this, because what did Jesus do? Well, he was a carpenter. What did Paul do? He was a tent maker, you know, and so when you talk to somebody, especially if they're still active in their job, or even if they've retired, what do they go? When you ask them, hey, what do you do? They go, I'm retired. Or, I, you know, my father-in-law would go, I'm a, I was a mechanic, but now I'm retired, right? You know, and, and, and see, that's the thing. We will identify ourselves by that because that's kind of part of what we did. But that doesn't mean that's who you're always going to be. You don't ever walk around going, you know, when they ask you, what do you do? You go, oh, I'm just a sinner, right? Do you identify yourself that way? Every time you come into contact with somebody, hey, what do you do? Oh, I sin all the time. This morning I got in the car. I sinned by what I was listening to. I sinned by how I drove. I sinned by what I thought about while driving. I sinned this way. I sinned that way. I did this. I did, right? We don't do that. Right? You would consider yourself a driver at that point. I drove. You didn't tell them about the time that you flipped off the guy as you were driving past them or as you were, as you were driving, waiting for them to start, with the names you called them as they sat through the green light, as, you, as they sent a text message. Right? You didn't do that. But that's who you are. Well, you didn't identify yourself that way. See, or you could say, if you went and we took it to a different level, you don't go off and address, you don't address yourself as going, I mean, unless you're an AA on a regular basis, you don't go, oh yeah, I'm just a medic. Just because I did it once in my past doesn't mean that I'm always going to be identified as that. Or I'm an alcoholic, right? I, I mean, they tell you that in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. You go there and you go, you'll always be an alcoholic. I don't know. Not if, you're, not if you're going by what Jesus said, right? Because your past is washed away. It's gone. But, so if you go by what Jesus says, that's not how you can, you can't identify yourself by based upon your past. You can't go, you know, when you get out, you don't walk around. If you've ever been to the prison, you don't walk around and go, I'm a convict, right? Unless you want to go back to prison. You know, you just, if you want to go back to what you came from, continue to identify yourself as that. If you want to go back to being a convict, you want to go back to being a drug addict, you want to go back to being an alcoholic, you want to go back to being a, a, a shopaholic, you want to go back to being a, a sex addict, you want to go back to whatever it is, continue to identify yourself as those things rather than identifying yourself as a son of God or a daughter of God. Because as soon as you start identifying yourself as a son of God or a daughter of God or a prince or a princess of the one and the only most high, then you will start to see that you will start identifying and walk that way, right? What are you calling yourself? How do you identify yourself? And how do we as a church identify ourselves? Are we a place of condemnation? Are we a place of anger? Are we a place of hate? Are we a place of what all those things that people say out there? They judged me when I walked in. They did this, they did that. Or are we a place that loves and accepts and helps grow people and helps them identify themselves as a son or a daughter of the one most high? What are we doing? Because that alone is what makes a difference in our lives. That alone. That, you don't identify yourself based upon your past. You identify yourself as you and your father in heaven's relationship. I am the son of the one most high. Me and Jesus are brothers. Right? And so look at, if you want to just see what a brother of Jesus does, just read James. Read the book of James. Just open it up and go, oh, this is how a son of, and a brother of Jesus should act, and this is what we should be doing, and this is how our thought process should be, right? Now, mind you, just, I'm not even going to go into my notes, just imagine this. You, James, are living in the house, so, you, so just imagine you're James, 
Jesus, you're raising, you're being kids, being raised up, right? You know, at 15 years old, Jesus is, Jesus is uh, doing his thing around the house, you know, because he was perfect, right? You know, so he would just, he would just get up in the morning and the floors would be mopped and it would be swept and everything would be taken care of. And yet you're James and James, everybody, you know, your mom, Mary's going, why can't you be more like Jesus? Why can't you be more like him? Why, why can't you? Why can't you just do your chores? Why can't you just get all A's on your table? Why don't you know the first five books of the Bible already? Look, he, he just quotes it forwards and backwards. Like, why can't you do this? And here you are, James, his brother, and you're sitting on the sideline going, but I'm not him. I'm just his brother. I'm just his brother. But guess what? You share the same Heavenly Father. So that means that you share a lot of the same characteristics. You share the same abilities. The same power that was in Jesus is in each one of you. And, and see, we forget that. We don't even act that way. We don't even attempt to act that way. We don't even, we don't even take that and go, that's the word of God, and I'm going to embrace it and walk with it. See, by God's grace, you are not what you did. You are who he says you are. See, here's what it is. In Revelation 12, Satan is called the accuser. See, you are not what you did. You are not what you did. You don't know, see Satan will come out, nobody loves you. Nobody, nobody wants you. Nobody wants to have anything to do with you. Nobody wants, nobody wants anything from you. That's what Satan tells you. And yet our Father in heaven goes, I love you. I have, I have, I, for I know the plans that I have for you. There is a hope and a future for you. That's what our Father in heaven tells you. And yet you continue to listen to the lies of the deceiver. See, Satan reminds you of your past. God reminds you of your hope and your future. That's what happens. And so when Satan reminds you of your past, you should remind him of his future. You should start over and just crack open Revelations and start reading through there and start getting to that point where you get to about Revelations 18, 19. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to get a little weird for you if you've never read Revelations, but just start reading it and start looking at it and go, oh, I know how it ends. I know where I go. I know how this things. See, see, here's the thing. As a church, when people walk in the door, you just have to say, I don't condemn you. I just want to love on you. I don't condemn you. I, I don't... I, you, <laughs> You know, and see, what we try to do is we're like, we're trying to pre-qualify people as they walk in the door. Hey, what can you do here? Can you help out with ushering? Can you help out with this? Can you do this? Can you do that? Oh, you can't do any of those things? Well, maybe this isn't the place for you. Can you help stuff eggs? Hey, come on, help us out here. We got a lot of work to get done. See, it's like, we, it's, it's like we're, trying, you know, we're, we're trying to sell tickets to get into heaven. It's no, better than what, it's no better than what some other organizations would do. I was going to identify a church. It's just not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Jesus never said, hey, you're forgiven. I understand that's just the way you are. He never said that, right? It, it, you know, see, it, it, what he does is he tries to, to, to help you, to guide you, to give you the next step forward. That's not just who you are. Because in fact, he told her, he said, now stop sinning and move and let's move forward and follow me. Stop doing that. Now, moving forward. Earlier, we identified ourselves. We said, hey, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adulter. I, I did this. I did that. Now, here's the answer. Stop doing it and move forward. Start following Jesus. Stop doing that. Stop sinning and move forward. Now, are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Are you going to have slip-ups? Absolutely. You know, see, here's the thing. You're not always going to struggle with lust. You're not always going to struggle with overeating. You're not always going to struggle with overspending. You're not always going to struggle with gossip. As soon as, you make the, as soon as you make the change to go, I'm going to stop sinning and I'm going to follow Jesus, guess what? All of those things will fall away. They will. And, and 11b, here's what it says. Jesus declared, he says, go now and leave your life of sin. <laughs> here's the thing. There was an urgency behind it. He didn't say, hey, here's what you should do. You should pray about this for three or four weeks. And after then, maybe you'll set a resolution. And in that resolution, maybe you'll talk about it at the beginning of the year that you'll start making the, the plan to change and actually lose weight for the following year. Right? He didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, I want you to spend four or five hours in prayer. He didn't say, I want you to, I want you to go and talk it over with your wife or your, 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 your loved ones. He said, go now. Now. It's not, it's not a, hey, let's wait and see how things are going to play out. Go now and follow Jesus. And see, that's the problem, is that we'll go, when things are right, I'll follow Jesus. When, when I get this done, I'll follow Jesus, really. Or, or when, when this happens, I'll follow Jesus as he asked me to. When this goes on, what, whatever this is, you're never going to actually accomplish it and reach it because you didn't say, I will follow Jesus now. That's the problem. He, he didn't say wait. He said do it now. Whew. See, the problem is most of us are trapped in darkness. Most of us are trapped there. And, you know, and see, the problem is, is that if Jesus is the light and the church is the light, when Jesus comes around, we scatter like cockroaches. We're afraid of coming out into the light because we're afraid of our sin being exposed. We're afraid of whatever we have going on being exposed. And so we think that we can just keep it secret. We just think that we can have this secret life. We can have the secret life of adultery. We can have the secret life of porn, materialism, anger, unforgiveness. We can just have this secret life. And that's what our behavior is. Our behavior, I mean, I got to tell you, if you ever seen the show, uh, the movie, it, Jim Carrey was in it, it was called Mr. Truman, right? Every part of his life was on TV, like every part of it. He'd get up in the morning, brush his teeth, they got, they got a camera right behind the mirror, you know, he's popping zits, all that stuff. See, if, could you imagine if that was your life? How much sin would readily be available for everybody to go back and rewind and see it and watch it? All those things, if you think that you've got this beautiful facade up, but yet everybody knows what's actually happening so that's the problem. Each one of us, we try to build these beautiful facades. Oh, everything is perfect. Look, we have, we have ivy. We have this Boston ivy that grows up outside of it. And it look, it's just so beautiful. When really right behind that ivy is a wrecked paint job. It's just a wreck. You're like, hey, what's going on? You're just covering up all the sin and all of the things that you don't want exposed. You've just covered it all up with my beautiful flowers and ivy and it's not working it's not because here's the thing to be completely honest with you 
is that we're not our evidence our lives would show evidence of us following Christ it would our lives would show evidence of it we can talk about I'm a believer I'm a follower but where is the evidence Rick Warren has this line he says how much evidence is there to convict you of Christianity how much evidence people would just look at your life and go how much evidence is there of of Christianity in your life that you could be convicted of it because because if you act the same if you do the same things if you talk the same way if you do, if you do all the same things that everybody else out there is doing well then guess what you are on the wide road that leads to where to hell you already know the answer you already know that if you're doing exactly what they're doing then you're going the wrong direction because it says very clear in scripture that the that the the path not a road it's a pathway that the pathway to get to heaven is narrow and difficult and people are going to make fun of you for being on it and the gate is is small so here's the thing is that when you start looking at it and, go, and if people don't say that your life is a little weird that man you're you're, you're just different there's something going on well then guess what you're on the wrong path you're on the road rather than the pathway I would tell you is that you need to make a fundamental shift now I need to make a fundamental shift I need to do it it's not just one of these things it's all oh, it's it's just you and you and you no it's me it's all of us yeah. it's all of us because the path that we're on is leading in the same direction that everybody else is going and it says you, you remember you remember your mom or maybe your dad or maybe somebody I don't know, maybe you came from a broken home. Somebody told you, if everybody was jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, would you do it? And what do you say? No. Why? Why? I mean, simple, simple statement. Why don't you do it? Because you don't want to die. Because you don't want to die. Very simple answer. Why is it that you don't want to go to hell? Because I don't want to burn. I don't, I don't want to sit there and be tormented every day forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Simple, right? Why is it that your life looks like everybody else's? I don't know. Because I want to go to hell with them. Right? We're all, we've combined the two, the two metaphors together, right? Haven't we? They're all jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, but we go, I can't stand on the top here because if I stand on the top, I'm not going to be looking like them. I'm not going to be acting like them. I'm not going to be dead like them. And, and we're just like going, well, if I don't act like them, I'm not going to go to hell like them. Does this make any sense to you? Because that's where our lives are on the path to go. Our lives are on the path to go to hell. Because really our lives would look so set apart from what everybody else was doing that we would never, ever, it would never become into question. People would look at us and go, there's something different about them. There's something different about them. Have you ever heard that statement? Hey, there's something different about you. If you haven't heard that, change something and be something different. There's a great book, and I'm not here to sell books, right? There's a great book out there, and it's called Weird. It's the name of the book. It's written by Craig Rochelle, and it says that we need to be weird. We need to be weird. We can't just be like everybody else. We have to be a little weird, and the reason why we have to be a little weird is 
because everybody else is on that broad, that wide road that leads to hell. We need to be weird, the ones that are on the narrow path heading to the gate. See, you have already, you've recognized that we are sinners. We've already done that. The law has made us aware of that. The grace of Jesus has made it to where we get to be in heaven. So now we need to start acting like it because here's what it says. The next thing, the law reveals our guilt. The love reveals God's grace. The light reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. Here's it in verse 11. Go now and leave this life of sin. It's full of hope. You don't have, you know, so here's what it says in, in verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Jesus said, I don't condemn you, he was not just the light of the world, he was the light of her world. You, you, know, you see, we have to have this mindset of starting going, going, in John 12, 46, so we're jumping, this is a big jump. He says, I have come to the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. See, nothing gives hope like light. Nothing gives hope like light. I, I mean, if you talk to somebody who's ever been inside of an institution that's been locked away from the light, well, the first thing that they can do is they want to go outside and they want to be able to bask in the light because the light is what gives hope. And the same thing is that when, think about this. You ever walked into a dark house? Just walk, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to turn on a light? Why? So you can see. Why is it that we want to continue to walk around in darkness? Why is it that we want to continue to be like the rats that scurry along the walls in darkness? Because that's what we're doing. And I know, I know, I know. Welcome to the edge where I'm here to make you feel good about yourself and you're going to leave all out of here full of joy and happiness and go, Mike was really funny today. Can you imagine that he said that? Can you think that? Well, think about all the things that he said. No, here's the thing is that understand that scripture is raw and it's often unadulterated and we like to water it down, make it funny and make it applicable to your life. But here's the real deal. Easter is a week away. It's this time where we're talking, we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating what Jesus did. We're talking about the love that he shared for us, that he came here and he shed his blood. So that we, and yet, we're not out there sharing that with people. We're not out there sharing that. We're not out there being this living beacon. We're not out there doing the things that he asked us to do. And we're not giving anybody hope because we're living in the darkness with them. But what is the problem? See, the light always defeats the darkness. You guys understand that, right? The light always defeats the darkness. If I had a flashlight and I started shining it around, the darkness goes away. Well, how, shy, how, how much of a light are you? How much of a beacon? How much of a flashlight are you? How much, of a, of, how, much is the, how much of a light is the edge? Are we a city on a hill where people see it as a beacon? Or do they just look and they go, that's another church that's got a light on and sign out in front. And, and the light doesn't shine very dark off. You know, it just doesn't put off a whole lot of light. It's just, you know, it's just there. Yeah, it, 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 it stands out, but man... It's not one of those things where it's a beacon. You remember as a kid, you don't see them often anymore. Or maybe you just don't see them often around here. You remember in front of movie studio or movie movie theaters, they used to have these lights that would shine up in the city, uh, up in the sky, right? The, the, the spotlights and stuff. Anybody ever seen those? Searchlights, right? They would come cross, go back and forth. And everybody, you'd be driving along, 
Or you'd be like, where is that coming from? Event lights, right? Yeah, well, you know, but you would see, yeah, search lights. Yeah, those are helicopter lights, by the way, you know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's that you, you start seeing this, this. They go back and forth, and people go, where is it coming from? Especially if it's not coming from a place that you would traditionally identify it from, right? Could you imagine each one of us, each one of you has a past. Each one of you has this thing that where people look at you and they go, oh, you would never be that searchlight or that beacon or you would never be that person. Can you imagine you become that beacon? Because people are like, hey, it's never come from over there before. It's never come from that person. It's never come from that building or that location or that. And yet I want to go see what it is because that's what I do. I get in the car. Where's that coming from? I start going over and I drive towards it. You become a beacon where people start showing up. That's how it works. When you become the light, not only... Does it change the lives of those immediately around you? It changes the lives of those in the community. It changes the lives of those that are 5, 10, 15, 20, 20 miles away that, that can all see it. You just have to be the beacon. You have to turn the light on. The light always defeats the darkness. See, there's not enough darkness that could actually put out the smallest candlelight. There's not enough. Now, it may be dark around the light, but there's not enough of it that could put it out. Once a candlelight is lit, it's until it's extinguished that it'll put out light. That's just how it is. Here's what it says in, Malachi, in, in Micah, so not Malachi, Micah 7, 8. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. So here's the thing. Right now, we might be sitting in darkness. Right now, we even keep the room dark so that you can worship and so that you can be, you can have an expression to wear. And I don't have to look at you in your eyes. It's very difficult for me to see out there. Like, I can see out there and I see people walking around, but you guys all look like little embers walking around. You know. I know, it's perfect. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Each one of us, we might be in the darkness, but we're probably in the darkness in our lives. We're probably in the darkness in our lives. And what we need to start doing is we need to start stepping into the light. And, and the first thing is, is to step into the light and go, Jesus, I need to reawaken you. I need, to be, I, need to, I need you to come back into my life. See, each one of us needs an encounter. That's the problem. We need an encounter with Jesus. The woman at the well has an encounter with Jesus. The woman who's caught in adultery has an encounter with Jesus. It's not just some sort of, some sort of metaphorical thing that happens. Oh, I... I I just barely touched him. No, no, no. They had an encounter. They came to know one another. He said, here's what she says to the woman at the well. He knew things about me that nobody else knew. Jesus knows things about you that nobody else knows. He's the one following you around with a camera from the Mr. Truman Show. He's the one that's, that's whispering in my ear going, hey, you should say this because they'll think that you're reading your journals. He's the one that you, that you should be doing these things. And he's the one that's guiding this. But this is not, you're not going to see the scripture in here. It's not in your notes, but it's in my, it's in my notes for down here. And it's, I'm looking at Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 13. So if you want to see this, it says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth and find out 
and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. We're going to jump back one more time. I just have some more scripture here that I just have this. Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Isaiah 50, 10. There's just not a, it's time for us to step into the light. It's time for us to go, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. It's time for us to go, God, I know that you have a plan for me. I know that you have a direction for me. I know that it's not for me to continue to sit in the darkness. I know that it's not for me to continue to be on the path that leads to hell, that it changes me to be on the path or, or on the, the narrow pathway that leads to the gate that enters heaven. So that's what his plan is for you. That's what he wants. But you have to be willing to step into that. And you have to be willing to go, God, I'm ready to step out of the darkness and I'm ready to move into the light and to be walking with you. I want to be a beacon. I want to be where people go, there's something different about you. What is that? What is it? Who is that? You don't even have to call yourself a Christian. People just know it. They just know. You must be one of those followers of Jesus. You must be. But it starts with us just going, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and let's just start there. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for the path that we've been traveling. Forgive us for the road that we've been driving. The road that leads to hell. Forgive us for those sins. Because we know that you sent Jesus for us. You sent Jesus so that way we could get onto the path that leads to the gate. That we could be a little weird. That we could be a little different. That, we, that we'd be on this pathway that, that illuminates those that are on the wrong pathway. That, that people see us and they go, I want that. I want to be up there. I want to be, I want to be traveling on that rather than the way that I've been going. And so, Father, it all starts with your son, Jesus. Father, help, help me realign my life to what your will would be and help me walk with Jesus. Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that, this, that in a week we're going to celebrate his resurrection to where he sits at the right hand of you speaking on my behalf, being my intercessor, talking, speaking all the things that are positive and letting all the negative go. But he just continues to, to see the good where I see the negative, where I see the anger, where I see the past that I, that I identify rather than looking and going, I am a son of the one and only most high God. I am a daughter of the one and only most high God. Father, help me realign my life to what you would have in store for it. That, you would, that I would be the light, that I would be a city on a hill, that I would be part of a, of a community of believers that continues to be a beacon for those around us, that they just go, I want what they have. Father, I've never, I may have never accepted Jesus before, or maybe this is just a new commitment, but I want to accept that now. I want my sins washed away. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that, that those who believe that Jesus died for their sins 
have a new life that begins now. Father, I want that new life. I want that new beginning. I want that, that newness. And I want the book of life to, to erase all of my past and all those transgressions and all of that that held me from being able to enter the gate of heaven. I want all of that to be erased because of my new relationship with Jesus that starts right now. Father, I know I'll make mistakes. I know that things won't always go as planned. But Father, I know that you still love me and that you will continue to help put me back onto the path that guides me closer to you, closer to Jesus, and keeps me on the path off of the broad road that leads to hell. Keeping your heads down, if you just prayed that with me, would you put a hand up? If you just prayed that you wanted this new life, if you wanted a new beginning, if you wanted the old to be washed away, would you just put a hand up and say, God, I'm ready for the newness. I'm ready for the, the new beginning that you talked about. I'm ready to recommit to Jesus. I'm ready to recommit in my walk and do something different that's prevented what I've done in the past. You can put your hands down, Father. I know that there's so many people. There's so many in this room. There's those that are watching on, online right now and those that are watching on their TVs or in their cars. And I know that there's so many people that you're looking at and, and it's, it's like the prodigal son has come home. And you're, you're welcoming us with open arms and you're celebrating that we've each one of us recognized that we need this newness, that we need a new beginning, that we need a, to, to realign ourselves to be this beacon, to be this light, and to go and, and to reach this community so so that those aren't separated from you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to assemble. Thank you for allowing us to come together and, 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 and to really become, we'll call it the modern day Avengers, to go out and reach these that are far from you, to, to go out and love, to go out and be those that are a little different, those that are a little weird, those that have different abilities, those that have different strengths, that have all those things to go out and do the work that you've asked us to do in this community. Help us step into the roles that each one of us have. And we may be hulks, and we may be, we may be uh, something different, captains or whatever. But each one of us has a role to play. And each one of us has a, has a job that helps save somebody else. Father, thank you. It's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.